Welcome back to Restless. My name is Father Joseph Gill, priest of the Diocese of Bridgeport, Connecticut, and you have joined Paul and Matt as together we young adults dive deeper into our faith and deeper into the madness of today's world using Jesus Christ as our guide. Do you guys realize that this is the first episode we've ever had with only guys on it? I didn't realize that. This is this is a momentous, monumental occasion. Momentous. I kind of, <laughs> I kind of miss Diane. But uh, <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> no, I mean, I like you guys too. But you could do it by you could do it by yourself if you want. I, maybe I'll just. I'm just happy to be here. I'll just speak in Lauren's voice. <laughs> hey guys. Um, that was <laughs> that was not Lauren's voice. I wonder how she'll no. feel about that. Later. Uh, probably not real good. <laughs> not real good. She, <laughs> she actually listens to the episodes too. Right. right, right. <laughs> I don't bother. <laughs> I figure I know what I said. All right, we're talking today about. Catholic social teaching, which often is referred to as the greatest uh, secret of the Catholic faith, kind of best kept secret that nobody knows about, that we actually have this whole uh, body of doctrine and documents that have come from the popes, really starting in 1893 with Pope Leo XIII's very famous rerum novarum of new things, which, you know, the world was going through kind of a pretty big revolution back then, 1893. That was the big industrial revolution where we saw um, just, you know, people flocking to the cities from agrarian lifestyles to now industrial lifestyles. And we saw a lot of huge abuses about how people were, you know, really caught in these low paying and very dangerous long hour jobs, uh, working in mines and, um, and in factories. And, and so the Pope felt the need to address that. And of course, around the same time, of course, Karl Marx had written the Communist Manifesto. Actually, that was 1848. But 50 years later, that the communism was really starting to catch on, socialism was starting to catch on, and people were starting to kind of wonder, like, how are we supposed to live in community as human beings? And the Pope said, hey, we got to answer that question, because our faith actually does shed a light on that. Have you, in your life, um, I know, Matt, you've got a degree in theology. Well, working towards Work, it. Working towards yeah, a degree in theology. Yeah. Um, have, you, have you come across this in any of your studies, Paul or Matt? No, I went to a secular college and majored in business. <laughs> so I, I I'm I'm a generally opposed. I'm generally consider myself a capitalist and therefore oppose communism. That's about as much as yeah, that yeah. would relate to this topic in terms of my formal education. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. So I actually uh, I had a a church history course last semester, and so uh, we very briefly uh, touched on uh, Pope Leo XIII's you know letter. Okay. And and so that was the first time I think that I I ever came into contact with the specifics of the origin of Catholic social teaching if you want to call that the origin. Mm-hmm. Um but aside from that, no, I don't I don't think that I had a a tremendous uh amount of uh, material that I came in, you know, came across. Yeah, most people I don't think even yeah. in Catholic schools or CCD programs or no. Oh, no, yeah. definitely. I was, my Catholic I went, school, I we never Catholic learned about school, it. I was Catholic school pre-K to to grade 12. So maybe I should have gotten in contact. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, even here. Maybe in I just wasn't paying attention. Oh, man. Yeah. That's possible. That's, <laughs> yeah. It's possible. I think, I think no, that it's, school kids. it's not formally, I don't think in most, in most, most Catholic education, at least when I was going through it, I don't think it was addressed so much so as like, this is, this is Catholic social teaching. Let's have, let's do six months on it or whatever. Yeah. I think it was more like, this is, this is what the Catholic Church believes, and it just happens to be Catholic social teaching. Right. That's actually, I'm trying to say what he just said, yeah. which is that, you know, it's nobody kind of nobody over. ever ever gave it to me as a body of knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. It was woven into everything else, because yeah. really the themes are, are, are basic, but profound. Right. Mm. Right. You know, in mm. Catholic social teaching. Yeah, I have to say my, my experience of Catholic social teaching was abundantly confusing, because uh, I spent a year in Rome studying, 
And uh, all the classes were in Italian, and I'm terrible in languages, and I'm actually sitting at a table with two Italians who probably <laughs> would pick it up immediately, but I was lost. And uh, however, there was what's called the note system, where like everyone would join yeah. their notes together and kind of like pass it along so that right. we could understand. But I had an elective in my schedule, and so I took Catholic social teaching, and there were no notes, and it was just me and a bunch of actual Italian speakers. <laughs> so like no one's helping me out, and I'm like, I'm a little lost, a little right. lost. But... It yeah. gave me an opportunity to read the documents, though, which was good. Right, yeah. Blessing in disguise. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, I think it has so much to say about some of the issues of our time, you know, and, and really the core, I think, of the teaching, of the Catholic social teaching, is the dignity of the human person. That, I would say, is kind of like the fundamental uh, reality, is that until you recognize that each human being has unique dignity being made in the image and likeness of God, everything else you talk about really won't make any sense. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, is that... You know, when we talk about like the social policy of America, you know, how politicians or lawmakers kind of guide our, you know, our laws, is that even given any consideration? I, I think that so, um, so Dr. Scott Hahn, he recently wrote a book called It's Right and It is Right and Just. I think that's what mm-hmm. it's called. And it's, a, it's an expose on like liberalism in general, but liberalism in like the negative contents, not not just like freedom, but how Western society has developed. And I think in the United States, I think that we had the fundamental founding on Christianity and a lot of the rights that are in Catholic social teaching were actually of the human person were actually protected for many, many years. Mm. And and United States is probably, you know, I think the liberal side would say that we're behind and I would say that we're maintained or because I'm conservative. So I maintain that, you know, these things are, are good. Um, and I think we've gone away from that a lot, especially with abortion, a lot of the other um, policies that we've had in the past mm, 50 years. So I would say that the United States had a good track record and still does to some extent compared to other Western Western um, democracies about um, protecting a lot of these rights. But I think we're, we're just, we're always about 10 years behind the rest of Europe and five years <laughs> behind Canada. So we're getting <laughs> that's there. True. And usually like, you know, 20 years behind Japan, but that's a whole other issue. Well, Japan never was a Christian country, so they never was. Yeah, they have a different. Yeah, I, uh, you know, when I was uh, pondering this a little bit earlier, I said to myself, I think that the situation we have in America is that America is is proclaiming what they would call social teaching. You know what I mean? They are they are saying that they're in the right. Social justice. Yeah, social yeah. justice. Yeah, you know, and and in many ways, some things that you know that. Uh, are popular in our culture are are you know actually just you know but when you look at something and and uh, you know always abortion is what stands out because it's it's the it's like one of the biggest hot button issues even in politics mm-hmm. you know the the left side right they say that they are correct you know what i mean they 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 propose abortion as just and i think that you know when i when i do look at it politically I can't help but think of that whole phrase where, you know, like the devil doesn't propose anything original. He just twists what God made, right? Mm. You know, and mm-hmm. so I look at I look at America and I, in many ways, that's what I see, that it's just this twist of what actual justice is. Yeah. So. I think one of the interesting insights that America had was the, the idea all men are created equal in the Declaration of Independence. And I know that, was that Independence or Constitution? No, it's Declaration of Independence, Thomas yeah. Jefferson. Yeah. And, and we, uh, endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, among them life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Yeah. Which was really pretty radical at the time. Oh, the, for sure. Yeah. That, because rights came down from governments. 
right? Like the government, the monarch, which I guess at one point would been there would have been Catholic monarchies and you know kind of like loosely religious monarchies, but that the government would be there, the monarch would give you your rights and would have the power to take away your rights. And the founders of the country said, like, no, sorry, these rights come right <laughs> down from God, um, and you yeah. can't take these away. They are unalienable. You can never lose them. And, um, and there's even that sense in like the divine right of kings that like men are not, you know, kings are not created equal to peasants. Kings are a higher type of being, you know, and they right. have more dignity. And, and this idea that actually, no, everyone has equal dignity. And I know that, you know, back in those days, they didn't include slaves and women, but right. but it was a huge step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a really important. And, um, and, and the founding of the, I mean, it's, it's interesting, right? Cause, cause if you look at the actual, um, I don't know if we want to go into the revolution talk, but yeah, if you it. go into do the, <laughs> if you want to go into the re- the religion of each of the founders, it was very different. They each had a different spin. So Thomas Jefferson was, I would say, even though he wrote the, doc- the declaration mostly, and there was others that influenced it, he was probably him and like Benjamin Franklin were probably the loosest religious, I would say. Yeah. Well, I mean, some would even say like, he Tom- did, he yeah, did he re- rewrite the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. And like, and, but, but, but at least it's, it's more than some politicians today, let's say. And then you have somebody like George Washington, if you read his writings i mean his he he was he he definitely had this air of humbling himself before god and so he was right. yeah. quite religious and so you have this interesting situation within the founding of the country where um where they were christian in a sense and they they supported christian morality but each of the founders had a little different spin on it i mean they're protestants so they each had a different spin on it um but i think the documents kind of speak for themselves if you look back you know look back at it now you know, it's interesting, but a couple election cycles ago, I think it was the 2018, 2016 election, um, I was doing some research as to whether or not America could be considered a Christian country. Mm. You know, because a lot of people say, well, you know, with the separation of church and state, there's no set, you know, religion. Right. Well, so first of all, the separation of church and state, you know where that comes from? Yeah, it was a Supreme Court decision. No. Well, yeah, well, yes, they were later on. Originally it was the, the Thomas phrase, Jefferson the letter from to Thomas the, Jefferson letter. Yeah, from the wall of separation. Yeah, yeah. to a church in Danbury, Connecticut, yep. of all places. Wow. Yep. You know? Danbury. Yeah. It was the Danbury uh, Congregational. Something like First that. First Congregational yeah. Church. Right. And, uh, and what he was trying to propose was that government will not encroach upon religion, not the other way around. Correct. And the, the Supreme Court decision, I think it was in the 1920s, it was Justice Black, who was a Grand Wizard of the KKK. Oh. He, he, <laughs> wow. he reinterpreted that. Later on, oh, was it him? Okay, yeah. So that—that's what I was referring to, where it was twisted, um, yeah, in, in the other way. And he so he actually quoted the Thomas Jefferson letter, um, but in kind of incorrectly in the in the decision. Yeah. So. But what was interesting was that I I found actually several Supreme Court decisions where they said out loud in the 1800s, "This is a Christian nation." Mm. Right, and of course uh, Alexander de Tocqueville, the great Tocqueville, uh, yeah, French, yeah. yeah, the French guy who like basically examined America and was like, "This is what's good. This was bad." He said, you know, the, the democracy will never survive unless it's based on Judeo-Christian principles, which right. I think is interesting. So, Well, our whole Western civilization going back to the Enlightenment is founded on Judeo-Christian principles. Yeah. And a lot of traditional Catholics will bemoan the Enlightenment, but yeah, there's a few say, things that it got right. Yeah, and, you, you look at the Enlightenment and it's like, I don't know, I remember, uh, again, in this church history class, right, we're, we're reading about that period of time and how... Uh, I believe it was in France, right? Because the Notre Dame, right? Mm. The the church they they for like a twenty year span, they uh, I assume removed the Blessed Sacrament, right? Uh, and they erected this like huge statue to a uh, 
basically general goddess of reason mm-hmm. and it was literally called the temple of reason where they worshiped a, a a pagan goddess that they made up on the spot <laughs> like, <laughs> like this was not like they took from you know like an ancient culture yeah so i i understand why the uh the traditional Catholic, maybe I'm pulling that card right now. I don't know. You know no, I mean? no, and I think it, it, and and like for for any movement in history, there's always good and bad that come out of it. Right, and certainly, right. it it began this. It did begin this slippery slope away from where things were based on Judeo Christian um, right men- yeah. mentalities or morals, but then allowed society, but didn't create a good enough barriers to keep society within those bounds because of liberal society they can change and they can twist and they can right. move over time and as the population moves toward not moves away as the population as a whole moves away from judeo-christian then they start voting that way mm. right and then that's where you see the society so you don't have enough barriers set in place so the united states is unique in the fact that we have these founding documents where these barriers have been set up right but i mean we can just blow right through those eventually right i mean that's 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 what's happening right now yeah and it's uh you can look at it as uh it's almost like a trickle down effect you know any any i don't know i don't remember where i read this but it's it's not. I'm gonna screw up what is not an original thought. Um, <laughs> but it's basically like it's basically like this idea that uh, as as more citizens become atheists, you know, yes, perhaps they will sometimes act morally, but that's because it's like a trickle down effect of their parents and grandparents mm. who were Christians. Mm. You know, so you yes, you know, we've got these documents, uh, but as we slowly. We as a country, I guess, you know, obviously not the three of us, but, you know, as we <laughs> m- slowly but surely move away from this, yeah, it makes sense that those documents will be ignored or misinterpreted. Yeah. Right. And that's that, that I would say is what's, you know, I think that so even if you take the abortion issue, right, is it's life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness where it's like, OK, well, you take a late life and it's like, well, we, we, we would have a Catholic sense. We were, we're protecting life, meaning like, don't kill this baby, this beautiful baby. Um, and the spin on it now is like, well, we actually support the life so some weird love of the mother or the pursuit of happiness, let's say, of the mother trumps the right of the life of the unborn child. Right. So mm. it's, you can twist these things and that's, that's the liberal society. Um, well, that, that was one thing that made the American revolution very different than the French revolution and all the other revolutions like the Bolshevik and mm-hmm. revolution is that, is that the, the rights of the inv- individual can never be subsumed to the rights of the state. That's because, right. uh, you know, French Revolution was all about egalité, fraternité, right? E- equality and fraternity. But they basically believed that the human person could be killed, exiled, whatever, so that these things come about in society, right? Mm-hmm. But the American Revolution said, actually, no, the primacy is the rights of the individual over the rights of society. Right. And then that... And then from a from a Catholic perspective, we would say, well, wait a second, though, but you're the individual has to be subservient to God. But you can't be subservient. But I, my always argument to that is, well, you can't be subservient to the state and God. It has to be, you know, you, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Exactly. So yeah, you, 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 you know, you you do what you can for the state. Let's say, you know, God and country and all that kind of stuff. But but at the end of the day, you're not the, the being giving the rights to the individual allows you to do God's will, not the state's will. Right. Because with the rights comes responsibilities that each right. individual has to each other. So it's not a total individualism where right. I can do whatever I want because it's all about me. Catholic social teaching. Right. 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 And the responsibilities, yeah. the responsibilities are, are influenced by your faith. Definitely. Right. And so when you lose the faith, 
then your responsibility changes and then it, it you know it goes away so in the united states had this had this kind of uh, bounty of immigrants that have come in over the ages many of which were catholic if you think the irish immigration italians and, and then the italians yeah. came and now we have the hispanic population that's come in they're christian mostly catholic and so you have this like you have several generations of solid christians that are with that are upholding these things um as the immigration patterns change and as society as a whole the the majority which is still majority country moves away from it then the immigrants aren't enough to keep supporting it and, and i can tell you from having worked with the hispanic immigrant population the next generation is losing the faith at the same rate as everyone else oh i'm sure yeah because it's, it's supporting i mean my i would say that you can even look at my family and you can see the you know the grandparents are very strong, and then the next generation, the baby boomers, are like uh, a little, little bit weaker. And then by the time you get to my generation, there's very few. There's left. me. There's you. Right. <laughs> it's true. Like it's just not that Holding many. Holding down the fort. Um, is your is your? Cause you have a brother, right? I had a brother. Yeah. I had a brother, right? Yeah, and he wasn't really practicing. Um, mm. And then my cousins. Uh, I guess one of my cousins is, but um, I'm probably the most faithful, or at least like, trying to live the faith. Yeah. 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 No, I, I, it's reality. I, yeah, I can relate to that. Mm. At least, you know, not, not to call up like family members. You know, I mean, that's not, <laughs> that's not, not listening to this. They don't even know this exists. So, right, right. <laughs> oh, really? No. Right. Right. I'm You're my safe. family members, You're but safe. <laughs> You're safe. Yeah. I'll just tell them not to listen to this episode. That's right. <laughs> Father Joe's like, no. Mom's got, mom's <laughs> got to hear it. Yeah. You know? Oh, my mom listens to every episode. That I can tell you. My mom does too. And then texts me about the things I got wrong. Oh yeah, I get the same thing. Yeah, I'm like, like no, that yeah, story I, didn't happen that way. I know, and I get like, I never did that. You got, you're not telling the truth. I'm like, okay, that's enough. <laughs> that's right. It's on the air. It must be true. Right. So, well, you know, without this this fundamentally Christian worldview, then is it possible to have a just and fair society? Because certainly, a lot of people are trying to advance the cause of social justice without the Judeo-Christian worldview. Is it, is it even possible? I think. Uh... You know, uh, like philosophically speaking, you can reach certain conclusions through just reason. So for that, you know, for that reason, like you can prove the existence of God. And then after proving the existence of God, you can prove that God is all good, right? He's like the, the, the fullness of, of good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so for that reason, I'm tempted to say that maybe it's possible technically, you know, but, but I think St. Thomas Aquinas is the one who says that, uh, apart from revelation, if like if man depended exclusively on reason, the amount of people that would figure this out would be so small, mm. and even those people would get would mix an error. Mm. I mean, nobody would ever get it totally right. And for that reason, I'm going to say no. I don't think it is actually reasonably possible. Mm. Well, I mean, you see it in society, right? I mean, you see people that think they're doing good, and they're actually doing the opposite. Sure, but they believe in their heart that they're. They're doing the right thing. Sure. And it's actually wrong. Like not only like slightly wrong, like very wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it's the right goal, it's just the wrong methods about getting it across. You know, I think about the Black Lives Matter movement mm-hmm. where, um, you know, the right goal, ending racism, but yeah. the way in which you're going about it through revolution instead of through love and through peace yeah. um, is questionable, you know. Right. I would say that one of the things when we talk about the dignity of the human being, and I think the one thing that really struck me um, is I used to volunteer with the... Um, CFR Sisters, um, Franciscan mm-hmm. Sisters of the Renewal, I mm-hmm. Friars, but I think Sisters of the Renewal is a pro- proper term. They um, they have several soup kitchens, you know, throughout, and I would volunteer at the Father Solana Soup Kitchen in uh, Harlem. And one of the things that's there is that they don't have the folks the folks that are coming to eat line up 
at a counter and then get a tray and sit down at a table. The volunteer, the sisters and, and the volunteers that come and help serve, they sit at a table and then they're served. Hmm. And it's like, because this is a dignity of the human being. It's like, wouldn't you want to be served? Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. And it's, and I just, that always stuck with me and it's just this beautiful, it's not just a, um, a, almost a shame walk down the aisle. It's like, no, you're, we're inviting you into a meal and you're going to sit at our table um, and we're going to serve you and enjoy a meal with you. And it's, mm. that's, that's like so beautiful. And, and like, that's, that's the message that when I think, and mostly it's minorities here in Harlem, it's mostly minorities, uh, mostly Hispanic, but there's several, you know, other minorities. And, and that's, that's the message that we should be sending. Mm. I used to work with a soup kitchen in college out in Steubenville, and they actually kind of took that idea one step further. And um, they, they asked the men and most, mostly men, but you know, the men and women to then help with the cleaning of the place, mm. which I thought was very interesting because work gives us so much dignity. Right. You know, and so it's not just we're serving you. It's like we're working on this together. This is a project that we believe you can c- contribute to. Oh, wow. So that's whether great. it's yeah. cleaning right. the, the dishes or t- tables or sweeping up, you know. Right. Yes. The sisters in Harlem had a very strict cleaning uh, schedule and scheme that we would have to follow oh, after really? after it. So uh, <laughs> that was always the most interesting part is we would go do like midday prayer and then and then clean for an hour and a half. Wow. Yeah. Wow. With all the volunteers. So. Did you ever sit down and, and like eat with people? So we would be serving. So we wouldn't be um, we wouldn't be sitting down with them, but there would always be a team of people and sometimes you'd volunteer for it or they would get selected. The sisters would volunteer you and and uh, and <laughs> you would walk up and down. There would be a line to get into the refractory to to eat the to, to sit down to eat. Um, and you would go up and down the aisle, up, up and down the line and just talk to people. Hmm. And then they would have another group that would always be singing, you know, praise and worship music or like this singing guitar rosary thing um, that they would do in Spanish. Um, and a lot of the people, at least culturally, they're Catholic. So they know all the prayers and stuff and they sing along and it's great. So, hmm. yeah. Yeah. Uh, language is a little bit of a barrier. My Spanish is not as good as it needs to be to be able to have go into some conversations. But right, right. Sure. Um, sure. But yeah. There was there was some great um, Knights Columbus guys that would come down from Westchester every week, and they were just awesome. So um, they had it down to a science. That's awesome. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, really that's cool great. thing to do. So you know, we were kind of talking about the origins of Catholic social teaching, how it really sprang out of the Industrial Revolution, and uh, not too long ago, the World Economic Forum published uh, some interesting things, saying that that uh, we are now in the fourth Industrial Revolution. I guess the so the first was you know, the factories, and then it was I don't even know what the second and third one is. <laughs> I wonder if one of them was uh, automobiles. It might be. Could be. It might be. Yeah, the original Industrial Revolution would have been like 1750 to 1820 when we had mills, like river mills that would start up to power That's true, yeah. Right. yeah. That's true. Are you I, sure you weren't a history major? No, but I'm a history <laughs> buff. Yeah, you yeah. were pulling so many facts out here. <laughs> yeah, just, it's my <laughs> dropping truth, man. But, uh, you know, they say that the fourth one is the digital revolution, which mm-hmm. absolutely has changed the way in which people work. I mean, it's just look at COVID. Everyone's right. working from home now and... Um, you know, gosh, if our internet goes down, no one can do anything. Right. Yeah. So I think the the people that are most vulnerable in our society has changed since the industrial revolution. It's no longer the factory worker who has to work long hours or the child laborer. Who is the vulnerable today? I think it is the child. In what way? I think uh, there has never been more access to uh, material that can hurt you mm. than now. Hmm. I th- like I'm thinking about particularly pornography, you know what I mean? Like children, children that are like 
yeah, I mean, you read stats and, and people, people will say that they like were first, uh, uh, what is the word exposed. Exposed. Yeah, exposed to uh, pornography at like, I don't know, eight or nine. Yeah. You know, that's true. And it's because it's because of the internet, you know, obviously there are things about the internet that are wonderful, you know, but, but when I thought of, and, and, and from the worker standpoint, right. Cause this is from like the, uh, participant standpoint, maybe, uh, I think from a worker standpoint, it would be sex workers. Hmm. Like there's, you know, I, hmm. I imagine that, you know, prior to the internet, people were not, you know, wrapped into this kind of business. Uh, that's true. Perhaps at such a, you know, a large rate, they call it the oldest profession in the world. <laughs> so I'm not saying it didn't exist, obviously. Right. But it didn't, it didn't exist in this medium. Right. Yeah. 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 And I think just thinking about children generally is I think the, the biggest harm that you can do to a child nowadays um, besides, you know, pornography and, yeah. and some of the, um, more truly like overtly dastardly things yeah. is I think in, in modern society, and you see this actually with the unemployment statistics right now, um, is we've removed a lot of, we're, we're taking away people's agency, meaning their ability to make decisions for themselves, mm. um, and the power to do that and the choice to do that. Um, where we're, we're telling our children that they have to, if you don't do this, if you don't believe us, if you don't trust in us, meaning the government or whoever's indoctrinating them, then you cannot, you cannot succeed. Hmm. And if you are, if you, if you know, it's like the, it, to chart our own path has come under attack, um, at the, at the earliest levels of education and especially in the minority communities. And I think once you take away somebody's agency, especially at somebody at such a long, young age, then they almost enter into the world, the real world, in a in a place of defeat. Hmm. Um, I mean, you see that with depression statistics and people that don't have meaning in their life um, that immediately run to the government and to you know the medical establishment for all their for all their woes or to drugs hmm. and and other addictions like pornography. I think it's just um, I think that's that's a systemic issue around our society. And like, kind of, how do you expect people to have faith and to believe in God if they don't have the option to? Yeah, or they don't feel that they have the option to. Sure, sure. Yeah, right. That's an interesting perspective because I was I was kind of taking that question in a different direction in my mind. Uh, like the two that kind of come to my mind are first of all the elderly because one of the things about the the digital revolution is that it's, it focuses on the new. You know, you always want the latest technology. You always want and everything's so disposable, as Pope Francis says, you know, right. disposable humanity. And the elderly are so disposed of because they have no wisdom to offer. They, you know, they're time is washed up according to most people who want to glorify the newest and best and right, brightest. Yeah. Mm. And of course they're obviously off, often left out of the digital revolution. Right. And also, you know, if we, like we were saying before, right, like the, the culture of our society is so individual, you know, like that is what is emphasized. And so there's almost like no responsibility to the elderly. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's, it's like put them in a, you know, put them somewhere and forget about, you know, them. yeah, forget yeah. about them. When actually the elderly are the ones that are, can offer the most wisdom. Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. I've, I've learned that gray hair does not make you wise. No. Automatically. No. You just look at Congress. Yeah, well. A lot of gray hairs there. Yeah. <laughs> um, although I would argue that the newer congressmen are not wise either. But oh, case, that's uh, true. <laughs> <laughs> you, have, um, you have a point. You, you, you had like a sweet spot between like 40 and 60. No, I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, no I, think it, I think it's true and... and um, 
but but I do think that I do think society might be leaving them behind a bit. But but then again, I mean, I do think some of the digital revolution stuff for the ones that are hip, like my grandmother who was 97, she passed away last year, but she had Facebook and that actually kept her connected because she was most, pretty That's much homebound. True. So there That's is true. some positives. I think like things like Uber and Lyft, although never mind on Lyft for a moment. Um, yeah. uh, Uber and Lyft, I think they're going to provide a level of mobility for the next generation that's of other possible. people. That's way more than, that's true. you know, you're not as worried about losing your driver's license. So I think there's some, there's a lot of positives for the, for the more hip grandparents out there. Yeah. Right. The other, the other group that I thought was impacted probably is those who work in the trades. You know, when I was chaplain at Trinity High School, we prided ourselves on hundred percent college acceptance. Hmm. And I would look at that class and think, 100% of these kids should not be going to college. Right. But there's this pressure that you have to have some sort of job that's going to be good paying in this digital right. world. Yeah. When in reality, first of all, plumbing and, and woodworking is a totally noble profession. Oh, yeah. But now it's so badly looked down upon. Like, oh, you couldn't make it, you know, in you know, smart kids college. You get right, it. yeah. No, and I hear people in the trades, I like to say, like, thank you so much. Yeah. I mean, to get somebody to come out to my house right now and do a, a work is impossible. There's no one out there that wants to do this work. And it's good work. It's good paying. and Very good paying. And my cousin, who's an electrician, he, like, he cleans up um, as an electrician. <laughs> oh, so yeah. from a financial perspective, it's <laughs> right. it's really amazing. And there's a huge, what's, what's interesting, so I work in the private equity industry and we have a lot of companies throughout, private companies throughout the United States. Most of them are smaller. And I will say that the number one issue among every single company is can't find people to work. That's what I hear. There's the can't find, because people would rather, there's they feel that they've lost their dignity if they go and work on a factory floor and get paid $50 an hour. Yeah. Which is a lot of money, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, That'll soon be our minimum wage. If, yeah, if well, some people have their way. Yeah, especially for the teenager at McDonald's. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> um, but thirty dollar hamburger, sure. Yeah, no, pass. I'll take fries with that. Right. <laughs> um, so anyway, but I think that's that's on the dignity of workers. I do agree on the trades. Yeah. Well, we actually, we actually ran out of time. We have like so much more to talk about. So tune in next time to our next episode, which hopefully will be Catholic Social Teaching Part 2, where we talk about uh, some of the other themes. We talked about the dignity of workers. We talked about the dignity of the human person, the idea of freedom, and how faith kind of intersects with politics. And next time we're going to talk about uh, you know the, the caring for God's creation and uh, the preferential, preferential option with the poor and solidarity and all that kind of good stuff, which if your kind of mind is boggling, you're like, what the heck is that even talking about? Tune in next time and you'll find out. Can't wait. On Veritas Catholic Radio, 1350 AM and also wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for joining us. God bless. Goodbye.